In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Join me, Dr. Karen Kambule, as we pursue the Word, the Lord Jesus, searching scriptures to find solutions to life's issues. Welcome to Word Anchor Podcast. Download and share with your friends and your family. Stay blessed. Greetings and welcome to Wet Anchor Podcast. In this episode, we begin a series on the lessons that we can find in the book of Daniel. And this episode is titled, Where is God when I am suffering? Most of us have been in situations where we asked God, Why am I here? Some of the situations we find ourselves in are not even our fault. Things can just go total opposite of what you wish for. Why am I suffering, Lord? Why am I in this place? Personally, I have been through situations where the Lord prepared me for the worst. I went in knowing that things would go bad. But then the Lord would ask me a simple question. Would you trust me still? Would you trust me if that job is taken away from you? Will you trust me even when you feel sick in your body? Will you be able to lay hands on somebody that is sick when you are sick yourself? Why am I suffering? Why am I here? Most, if not all of us, would want to walk past the value of challenges without being hurt. We want the victory without the battle. When something bad happens, we then ask, why does God allow evil to continue? Why did he allow my beloved person to die? Did they have to die in such a painful death? Why does God let us suffer all kinds of sicknesses? This child of God are life's battles that leaves us with unanswered questions and broken hearts. I saw something on social media the other day that said, why did God allow his son to be killed instead of him killing Satan once and for all? It's a valid question. It would be easier for God to just kill Satan and then live happily ever after with the rest of us good people, right? Well, the answer to that is a topic on its own. The question, however, seems to posit that evil is winning against good, that the battle plan of God is not good, it's not working. If we look at the word of God, since the fall of man, the enemy has sought to become a God of a man. In the Garden of Eden, the serpent succeeded in getting the first human being to bow to his bidding instead of obeying the word of God. Satan wants to be worshipped instead of God. And the consequences, however, of Satan wanting to take charge and take control and leading men to doing things that are wrong is that even the good ones suffer. Even the good ones find themselves in trouble. The enemy will throw sickness even to the righteous ones. There are two voices that speak to men, the voice of God and that of the enemy. Which one do you listen to? Do you listen to the sickness that tells you that there is no God because you are still sick? It is a battle for rule, power, kingdom, authority. Satan wants to be king over your life and God is the real king, the real God. Now this is a battle of two kingdoms. Which one do you belong to? Because then that determines how you approach life's issues. It determines what do you do when evil seems to be prevailing over good. In movies, you may find evil people that look very powerful controlling people, commanding respect and allegiance, being followed and obeyed by many, some wanting to be like the evil one, until the staring or the hero comes into the picture 
and delivers the people by fighting the evil one. At times it may even seem like the evil one is powerful. It may seem like he is winning all the battles. Even the hero at times seems like he is being defeated. But at the end of the movie, the hero wins, comes out of the ashes victorious. That is the life of a child of God. The enemy makes one mistake. He underestimates God and he ends up losing all the time. You see, God's wisdom is beyond comprehension. Even his foolishness is wisdom. Satan seems like he is winning battles in this world right now. People are dying of COVID. Children and adults are bowing to drugs and alcohol. People are being killed daily. Gangsters are wreaking havoc every day. Witchcraft is rife. Girls and women are raped and abused. The list of evil in this world right now is endless. And some even think that there is no God because of the evil that is in this world. The book of Daniel is a perfect setting to reveal who the real God is and who is the real king. This is a record set on trouble after trouble. It is as if in every chapter of this book, God is shouting, I am sovereign. I rule over all. I put kings in thrones and pull them down. It's as if he's also saying, I am with you even in your trouble. Also saying, I have put you here for my glory. Represent me well. Don't disappoint me. In the book of Daniel, we, we see a typical example of people that love God, serve God, are faithful to God, but they live their lives in a foreign land, in trouble, in captivity. The book reveals the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign at all times. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 1 to 2, it reads thus, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shina to the house of his God, and he brought the articles into the treasure house of his God. Now, this was the siege and invasion by King Nebuchadnezzar, which happened in the year 605 BC. He took some royal and nobles captives to Babylon, including Daniel and the three Hebrew young men, whose story is captured in Daniel 3. Nebuchadnezzar came again in 597 BC and took Jehoiachin the king, the son of Jehoiakim, who was king during the first invasion. Now, in the second invasion, Nebuchadnezzar took the remaining leaders in Ezekiel the prophet. He also took the king's family, valiant men, craftsmen, smiths, and all who were fit for war. He basically took everyone that was good enough, everyone that was a, an important person in the community. He took all of those. He left those that are the poor and needy and sickly people back in Jerusalem. He took the treasuries in the temple. He made Jehoiakim's younger brother, Matania, king over Judah and Jerusalem. And then he gave him the name Zedekiah. Now, Zedekiah reigned 11 years and did evil in the sight of God and did the worst. He rebelled against Nebuchadnezzar. And that action, his rebellion, led to the final and total destruction of the kingdom in 586 BC. It took 18 months siege in Jerusalem. Then everything closed in. No one going in, no one coming out. And in that 18 months, Jerusalem bowed. Nebuchadnezzar came. He bent the temple, broke down the city walls, and took all but the poorest of the Jews captive to Babylon. He also took um, Zedekiah, who was the king then, to Babylon. 
and executed his sons and put out the king's eyes at Ribla in Aram. The once glorious temple was down, broken, bent, the glory of God departed. You'll remember that Ezekiel saw that in the vision. He saw the glory departing from the temple. Now, if you were to see this in a movie, you'd probably break down and cry. It was a sad day for the people of Israel. What God had promised Abraham was now in the hands of a foreign people. And the people of God were now foreigners and captives in a land which worshipped other gods. If you were to look at this situation in the eyes of the one who asked, why didn't God just kill Satan instead of allowing his own son to die? You would therefore also ask the same question. Why didn't God kill Nebuchadnezzar in the first place? Why didn't God kill those who were worshipping idols and leave the good God-fearing people in the land? Dr. Constable's notes on Daniel states, To the interested observer of Israel's fortunes in Daniel's time, it seemed that Yahweh had either become impotent or had abandoned his chosen people. The gods of Assyria and Babylon had apparently triumphed over him. His temple lay in ruins, his capital had been ravaged and stood empty and vulnerable, and his people were living as unhappy captives in a foreign land. You see, what happened in Jerusalem and the people being taken out of Jerusalem and walking all the way to Babylon, it seemed like it was a defeat. It seemed like the people of God were defeated. They were literally defeated. But you see, you'll need to understand the plan of God. You'll need to understand the words of God and the consequences for sin, for example. But also, you'll also need to understand that God is not surprised at the situation that we are facing. He already knows the end of a thing. God takes up an opportunity. When you see defeat, he sees victory in a different way. This is the battle for kingdoms. And it's not a balancing act. It's not that you win here and now and God loses here and now and the next time God will win. No, no, no. God has a great plan, a grand plan for humanity. And he requires total submission to him. He requires obedience and he expects worship. And when such things do not happen, he will allow certain things to happen in your life. And I am not even in any way saying that every misfortune in your life is as a result of your own sin. But look at this. Daniel was a faithful man. Daniel was a God-fearing man. But he was taken captive. Ezekiel was a prophet of God. He was also taken captive. So when the people of Israel and Judah sinned against God, there were casualties, even his own servants. But you see, Daniel went to Babylon as if it wasn't defeat, but it was victory for God because his kingdom rules over all kingdoms. Right in the Garden of Eden, God had told Abraham, if you eat of this tree in the middle of the garden, you shall surely die. Should God kill the serpent because man has disobeyed? Well, God sought to have a people that would want to serve him by choice. Choosing not to eat the tree is an option. Choosing not to worship Baal even though your neighbors do is an option. Choosing not to kill is an option and not to commit adultery as well. Choosing not to commit sin is an option, a decision that you take. God has made human beings and given them power of choice. And the choices that we make come with consequences, good or bad. Now with Israel, God always punished them heavily. But he doesn't just walk in to punish. He gave them chances after chances. And even in their punishment, he still 
reign supreme. He still showed his sovereignty even in their punishment. You remember the punishment of Pharaoh and his horses and chariots and the people of Egypt. They had kept Israel captive in Egypt. But when God had decided that it was time for them to go, he did that in a mighty way. It is recorded in history, the mighty things that God did to get Israel out of Egypt. Now, when you come back to the story of Daniel in Babylon and the captivity, God in his sovereignty had told Israel and Judah that they ought to repent. If you remember Jeremiah's message, it was a very difficult one for such a young prophet. That is why he said, I am a youth. I'm too young to be carrying this big message. He told the people, repent from idol worship. They failed. He told them they would be defeated and taken captive. They beat him up, lock him up in prison. And when the siege started, he told them to surrender and go to Babylon. They refused. They brought false prophets to lie to the people and give them false hope. Now, Nebuchadnezzar went in and took the first captives, then came and took the second batch. And then he came and destroyed everything simply because of the disobedience of Israel. Daniel went in the first batch and he served in Babylon. The verse that we've read in the beginning, it tells us that it is God that gave his people to Nebuchadnezzar. It was not a mistake. It was not a defeat. It was not victory. They were given to him. God raised up Nebuchadnezzar, a king in a land where they worshipped other gods. His people had played the harlot in high places with these foreign gods. And just as it is written in the book of Romans chapter 1 verse 26, where God gave them up to the vile passions. So when people rebel, continuously rebelling against God, he gives up on them and say, you will deal with the consequences. God won't force us to worship him. He will let us be to our own desires and will be dealt harshly by the devil until we realize that God is not so bad after all. And we run to him and worship him after all. In fact, when you finally go back to him, you will realize just how good he is. After you have sinned and gotten deep into trouble, when you return to God and he embraces you, you will realize that God is love. There are many things that people do that gets them into trouble and then they blame God for them. Israel, however, went into captivity by their own doing. God gave them as many chances to repent. They persisted in their evil ways and they paid dearly with all they had. Nebuchadnezzar came, killed the young men with a sword, did not have compassion for the young men or the virgin, the aged or the weak. He gave them all into his hand. Nebuchadnezzar took the articles from the house of God, great and small. In the previous episodes, I spoke about how the Philistines had the ark of God in the house of Dagon and Dagon fell face down and eventually was broken into pieces. But this time, God let these people take the articles from the house of God. They left with them, took them to Babylon. They bent the house of God, broke down the walls of Jerusalem. They bent all its palaces with fire, destroyed all its precious possessions. And you'll ask yourself, where was God? Those who escaped from the sword, Nebuchadnezzar carried them away to Babylon. The people of God, the people of King David and King Solomon, became servants to Nebuchadnezzar until the words that were said by Jeremiah were fulfilled. As long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill 70 years. I know that someone else may say, but it's not my fault. It was not Daniel's fault as well. It was not the three Hebrew young men's fault as well. 
it was not Ezekiel's fault. He was a servant of God. But you see, the land had to become desolate and kept the Sabbath for 70 years. The people went to captivity because God had told them the consequences of serving other gods. They did not listen. You see, it is like right now, an economy of a country can go so bad that even those people that are God-fearing, God-loving, God-serving, and hard-working people may suffer the consequences of how the economy is being run in a bad way. There are things that will happen to a nation. Whether you are good or bad, it will still happen to you. Some people would have thought that COVID-19 will not touch them because they are God-fearing, God-loving, a a devil-bashing and demon-casting people that pray day and night. Yet it has killed servants of God. It has killed those that go and fast for 40 days and 40 nights. It has killed those that we think are the strongest in the kingdom. There are certain things that will happen to a people en masse. But you see, in all these things, don't even dare to think that God is unable to save his people. It's not that he's not willing. It's not that he cannot hear the cries of the people. God is sovereign. His word has to be fulfilled. He is a faithful God. Sometimes when I think about the times of tribulation, for example, I remember there was a time when I had conversations with another sister about the times of tribulation and I had dreams two days in a row. On the third day, I said, Lord, can this tribulation pass me by? Can I just go and sleep and wake up on the other side? Because what I saw in those dreams, what I saw the times of tribulation, I said, no, I'll pass. Things do happen. Can God save us from trouble? Yes, he can. And he eventually does. At times, he does not do it in your own way. Daniel served in Babylon all his life. He did not go back when Zerubbabel went home. He did not go back when Ezra went home. He did not go back when Nehemiah went home. If our trouble is because of our own doing, then our lesson is learned in the consequences. But if it is not, then we have a responsibility of teaching the enemy a lesson or two about God and his kingdom. Some people will do evil in the church in the name of God. And when they get exposed, perhaps even arrested, then they will cry persecution. And some people will still suffer the same thing even though they have not done anything wrong. The book of Daniel reveals the sovereignty and the power of God. The rise and the fall of kings who take advantage of God's people in their hour of punishment. If you read Child of God, the whole Bible captures the battle of the rising of the King of Kings. Through the preservation of the lineage through which he would be born, the seed of a woman who would crush the head of the serpent. So God sent Daniel, Ezekiel, Meshael, Ananiah, Azariah to Babylon. They were faithful men, but they went anyway. God would establish them there in captivity. You might be as well on your way to your own Babylon in today's time and season. You might be like Daniel. You might be like Ezekiel. You might be a servant of God like Ezekiel. You might be faithful like Mishael, but you are going to Babylon and you're going to suffer a little bit there. But never doubt God's sovereignty when you go through a situation. When you enter your Babylon, go in there and decide that the kingdom of God will be established there. Never miss an opportunity to honor God even when you are in a troubled situation. Next time you find yourself in difficulty like Israel in Babylon, child of God, learn from Daniel and his crew. Serve God even through your pain. Love God even in a hopeless situation. 
We all love the scripture that says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope in a future. Jeremiah 29 verse 11. Well, next time you are tempted to quote the scripture, remember that these words were said by Jeremiah and he was saying this to a people who were right in captivity. In the middle of their 70 years in a foreign land, they were held captives. They were in Babylon when God said to them, I have good plans. You may say, I am sick, God, and he says, I have good plans for you. You say, Lord, I don't have a job. He says, I have good plans for you. You said, Lord, my children are hungry. He says, I have good plans for you. I will give you a hope in the future. Even if you are still in Babylon, you will thrive there in Babylon. God is raising a breed that will thrive in the midst of trouble. The kind that will serve him in their Babylon. Those that will establish his lordship in kings, causing them to bow and pay their respects to God. Until they would say like Nebuchadnezzar, Blessed be God, for there is no one who can deliver like this. Let your battles, child of God, be an opportunity to lift up the banner of the sovereign Lord. We are in a battle of two kingdoms, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. Satan is trying his best to establish himself, but the seed of a woman keeps crushing him down over and over again. In which camp are you, child of God? The book of Daniel reveals that God is governing over everyone. He alone is God. He is supreme. He is above all things. He is above your pain. He sees and knows beyond your pain. He is God even when you are in pain. He is God even when you are in trouble. He is God even in your victory. He knows your pain and your suffering. God is not powerless simply because you are in trouble, child of God. Daniel was a young, God-fearing man, faithful to God, but he was also taken into captivity. And he did not sit there crying his eyeballs out. No, your trouble is not the failure of God to save you but an opportunity for God to show his power through you in your trouble. You may say, this is too much. God says, that's it. It's an opportunity to reveal my power. Daniel left Jerusalem and never came back home. But his life is a testimony of the sovereignty and the power of God. So many revelations God revealed to Daniel throughout his life in Babylon. The kingdom of God is above all kingdoms. He rules over all. His kingdom is eternal. Will you trust God on your way to Babylon? Will you trust God in Babylon, child of God? Will you trust God even when you are in your Babylon? Will you raise the banner of the Lord in your trouble? Let us journey together and marvel at the sovereignty and the supremacy of God and his kingdom through this book of Daniel. Please tune in to the next episode. Let us glean on the life and the times of Daniel and his companions in captivity in a foreign land not in Jerusalem, not in the temple, in Babylon, then I believe that you will rise in your own Babylon. You will rise in your own situation. You will rise in that sick bed. You will rise in that poverty. You will rise in that uh, trouble that you are in and reign and rule like Daniel in Babylon, in captivity. May the God of peace be upon you. May his love cover you. May you have the peace of God that surpasses human understanding even when you are in trouble because you see God is right there with you. Shalom.
Thank you for listening to the Word Anchor Podcast. To get copies of my books, The Bride of Jesus, Dear Girl Child, Confessions of a Parent, Victorious Youth, and From the Pit to the Palace, go to Amazon.com. You can buy a hard copy or a Kindle edition. Remember to check out the show notes. Connect with me on social media platforms. Give feedback and continue to spread the word. Tune in for the next episode and make the word of God your anchor.